The following is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to Life as a Life Schooler, where we talk about how to merge life with homeschooling. I'm Danielle Papagiorgio, and today we are talking to Israel Wayne. Israel Wayne is an author and conference speaker who has a a passion for defending the Christian faith and promoting a biblical worldview. He is the author of a number of books, including Homeschooling from a Biblical Worldview, Education, Does God Have an Opinion?, and his newest book, Answers for Homeschooling, Top 25 Questions Critics Ask. He has been a regular columnist for Homeschool Digest, Homeschool Enrichment, and the Old Schoolhouse magazines. He is also the site editor for ChristianWorldview.net. Israel has written articles for the following magazines, Answers, Revive, Biblical Worldview, Homeschooling Today, and others. He has also written for many sites, including Crosswalk.com, ChristianPost.com, and Christianity.com. He is a frequent guest on national radio and television programs. Israel's family began home educating in 1978 and has been featured in national and international publications including Time Magazine, World Magazine, and the Wall Street Journal, among others. Israel has been featured as the keynote speaker at various conferences with over 5,000 in attendance and was also the keynote speaker at our conference, our 2016 Life Schooling Conference. Israel and his wife, Brooke, both homeschool graduates themselves, were joined in marriage without dating and are home educating their nine children. Welcome, Israel. I'm so happy to have you on our show today and kind of get a chance to catch up with you a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, and um, wow, you just have such a history in the homeschooling world, and um, it's always fun to go back and read your bio, all the things that God has brought into your path, and Um, getting the message of homeschooling out there. So I know you had a very interesting childhood and your background on how your mom actually began homeschooling you. And I know that our message of life schooling really resonated with you. So why don't you just share a bit with our listeners about your story? Yeah, my family began homeschooling in 1978, which is about five years out ahead of the modern-day Christian homeschooling movement. And when we began homeschooling, uh, not only was homeschooling not popular or trendy, but it was actually against (laughs) the law. And so there were a number of difficulties. I mean, there were no homeschool conventions, no homeschooling magazines, no Homeschool Legal Defense Association. (laughs) There there weren't uh, curriculum publishers who would sell to us as an individual family. They were selling – the Christian curriculum publishers were selling to schools but not to individuals. And so it was quite a journey for us. We ended up in court several times having to defend our freedom to home educate. And so I grew up in that environment. And about 10 years after that, in 1988, my mother founded uh, what became the nation's longest-running Christian homeschool magazine, Homeschool Digest. And I started working for her as director of marketing for that publication in January of 1993. And uh, and then continued there for 20 years before I started uh, Family Renewal, a ministry with my wife and my older sister, Sony, and, and my children um, in 2013. So I've been doing writing and speaking uh, for homeschooling uh, really for over 25 years now. 
and am grateful for the opportunity that I've had not only to be home educated, but to be able to continue to work um, at various capacities um, within the homeschooling community as an author, conference speaker, uh, state organization leader, uh, and I'm, I'm part of you know a national um, advisory council for the National Alliance of Christian Home Education Leadership. So mm-hmm. a lot of different um, capacities that I guess to put it this way, there, there really hasn't been much that's ever happened in the homeschooling movement that I didn't front seat for. So <laughs> I had a chance to kind of see it from before it started, you know, all the way through its growth, you know, on a, on a national level. And then um, to still be involved today is just a, a great blessing and honor. That's awesome. Yeah, you've, you've seen a lot, I'm sure. You've been around a bit. <laughs> but, but I remember when you told me about the, the conference. In fact, I, I think what it was, first of all, I think I saw it somehow on Facebook. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. And I saw that you were promoting the Life Schooling Conference, and I thought, hmm, now that seems interesting to me. Uh, and, of course, the, the term is uh, one that drew me in. I, I wondered exactly what you meant by that, and somehow mm-hmm. we ended up having a conversation, I think, on Facebook about it. And, um, and, and I think there's a place for, uh, for the approach that you're advocating because there are some families who – um, start out homeschooling with the mentality that, you know, we want to recreate the public school at home. Right. And, uh, and that's what they know because that was how they were schooled. And mm-hmm. we, we tend to reproduce our experience to some extent, but oftentimes as they get going through that process, they recognize and realize that that's not necessarily working ideally or, um, that's not the optimum approach for their family, for their child. Right. And um, the idea of incorporating learning into life was something that I think um, my mother found a way to do when I was being homeschooled. And so that was something that I, I wanted to be a part of and was grateful to be part of your, your conference because I, I think you have a, a unique angle um, that's really not being talked about or explored too much within the Christian homeschool community. Right. Well, it's been interesting since we started homeschooling, and I, I kind of count day one from, from birth, you know, um, yeah. because it's it's really a mindset of education that, again, it comes back to this idea of life schooling, seeing those learning opportunities throughout everyday life and and having that mindset to incorporate the education into what you're doing. Um, because I think throughout history, that's really, that's, more how learning has been. Um, the modern public uh, education system is really that. It's modern. It's it's dividing children up by by ages and here's what they need to learn this year, here's what they learn need to learn next year. And it's just not a very natural approach, especially with just our everyday lives and everything that God brings into them. Um, it It's very difficult to Um, maintain that sort of rigid structure and schedule and so I really have seen since we started um, about 16 years ago um, and really got into more of the academic stuff uh, probably about 14 or 13 years ago I've really seen a shift because I kind of came in when some of those veteran homeschoolers were still finishing up and you know we looked up to them as the younger ones coming in and all this wisdom that they had and they really did a lot of them did more of this approach of really integrating the education into everyday life of not feeling like well if I don't check off all these boxes my children are going to fail and they'll never amount to anything it is such a stress and a burden and I just watched that sort of 
creep in more and more. At least that's what I was seeing. Um, and I just had a burden for these moms that were feeling so overwhelmed and stressed out, feeling like they just weren't doing enough. And yeah. and so that's really what my heart was in starting this. And it was such a blessing to have you speak at our conference because if anyone gets it, you do. I mean, you've been around for, for a while in this movement. Um, so. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that, you know, before the Christian homeschooling movement was started in 1983, 80, there was another movement uh, called the unschooling movement and right. it was started by john holt and there were families like the colfax family who made national news because they essentially unschooled their their children and yet their students went to harvard and they mm -hmm. did really well academically and so th that was something that that shaped i think the early homeschooling movement was the influence of some of these unschooling writers and and, th and then dr raymond moore who had kind of a delayed academics message back in the early 1980s mm -hmm. of saying, you know, you don't have to uh, force your child to learn on the government school timetable if the if your child is, um, you know, especially he was talking about boys, if your son is seven, eight, nine years old and still struggling with reading, that's fairly natural and normal in some ways for boys. Boys just develop their language skills a little bit later mm -hmm. and so you shouldn't assume that your child has a learning disability or that your child can't learn and and so just you know take the stress off of yourself and give them a little bit more time um, to learn through hands-on methods and kinesthetic learning and and less of the formal sit down with a textbook academic teaching and so you know you had the more philosophy early on in the 80s of the homeschooling movement the influence of of the unschoolers but but interestingly um you know the the way that the the road that we parted from the unschoolers i think was was theological mm -hmm. because they weren't coming at it from a, a biblical framework right and so the, the difference being that they believed that children are born inherently good <laughs> and they deny the doctrine of original sin and so their view is that these children are these wonderful moral beings and creative geniuses and if you just leave them to go find their own path then um, they'll they'll do great and they'll grow up and become the pinnacle of human perfection uh, if they're just allowed to pursue their own dreams desires and ambitions without being impeded in any way mm -hmm. uh, by by adults and you know if you've ever watched someone who's actually tried to um, implement that kind of uh, you know, just complete non-directed parenting, um, it, it ends up very bad in most cases. <laughs> you have a lot of behavioral issues and, you know, right. a, a child a child left to himself will come to ruin. That's what scripture mm -hmm. says. And so there were a couple of, of authors and you've worked with them uh, and speakers um, that come to my mind in particular, Chris Davis and Mary Hood, yes. who had a, a little different angle, uh, even as far back as the 1980s, and we're in some ways advocating the concepts that you coined with your term life schooling. And, uh, and I, I think, um, I know Chris has spoken at your conference. Has Mary spoken at the conference yet? Actually, Mary has spoken. Chris has not. Um, we oh, did get, right? yes, oh, we did okay. give away okay. his book and I just, oh, I wish we oh, could yeah. get him to, to, um, oh, come, yeah, but he's not able to because he's often yeah. in Israel during the summers. So yeah, yes. it hasn't worked out, but I'm dying ah, to get okay. him there. <laughs> oh yeah. So it's interesting that you've kind of, um, 
picked up on something that has been a strain throughout the Christian homeschooling movement from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I would say something that kind of lost its way a little bit, particularly in the era of the highly structured uh, and highly competitive co-op world. Mm. That was something that developed in probably the late 90s and then just exploded in the 2000s. And a lot of parents don't feel capable of teaching their children themselves at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically uh, are homeschooling, but they feel like, you know, I need experts or I need somebody who knows how to teach these subjects to teach these subjects. And, and I think they often um, really gravitate strongly towards, um, you know, subbing out, subcontracting out these different academic subjects because they just feel like I'm not capable of being able to teach my own child. Right. And I think what, what you kind of advocate is the, the aspect of relationship that, mm-hmm. you know, we want to have relationship with our own children. And um, this, this context of Deuteronomy 6 of teaching our children when we sit in our home, when we walk by the way, when we lie down, when we rise up, that that kind of model is, is really more of a relational dynamic than it is an information download. And, right, you know, right. That's, that certainly is something I, I strongly resonate with. Well, and it's where are we putting our priorities? And, again, I just, um, every time we come back to that question of faith, and, and it's really ironic to me to watch people come full circle back around to putting their kids in all these co-ops. It's like, well... Um, you're kind of doing school now. <laughs> you, you're you're missing the point, the reason why you have your children home. And I just think parents need to take a step back and and really um, look at the big picture in what they're doing. And you know, of course, there are times when co-ops can be useful, extra classes can be useful. But when it becomes so unbalanced that then all of a sudden you just look like you're doing the exact same thing, only you're the one running the kids around to all the classes instead of them, you know, walking next door to the next class. It's like you're losing the whole point. Um, so what's the priority? Is our priority going to be the relationships and building strong character and, and really building those ties with our children or is the priority going to be academics um you need both but where is your priority and that's what i would challenge parents with yeah there's a building here in grand rapids michigan close to where i live called the homeschool building and it was this you know multi thousand i don't know how many square foot you know thousands of square foot uh complex Hmm. basically kind of like a school that a guy was able to purchase and he put it in a trust and he donated it to the Christian homeschooling community in Grand Rapids. And so they've got a basketball court, they've got a library, they've got classrooms. Um, Yeah, just essentially this large school building that that belongs to the homeschooling community. And so it's, it's a wonderful thing. But what's interesting is some years ago, I was talking to the former director there and he told me that there were these parents who would drop their children off in the morning at eight o'clock and would come pick them up at 5 o'clock, Monday through Friday, and then they had classes that ran from like 9 to 1 on Saturday because both parents would work. And so wow. the, the idea was there were just constant, there were so many co-op classes that went on in this community that the child could literally just go from class to class to class. And, and because it was essentially a free babysitting service, these parents were calling themselves homeschoolers both parents working, you know, jobs and just 
and, and it wasn't even a, a regular school day. I mean, you're talking about six days a week, like eight to five thirty. Wow, I mean, it's an, an insane <laughs> amount of of schooling that these kids are getting in, in what's what they're calling homeschooling, and they're saying, yeah, we homeschool our children, and yet um, these parents are spending very very little time uh, with their children, and it's it's interesting how even the definition of homeschooling has changed so much right. from when I was young. Um, I posted on a Christian uh, Facebook group uh, uh, full of homeschoolers on this topic recently and and, and just had a lady that um, sent me a, a message, a private message and said, um, I've heard about homeschooling and I'm wanting to know where I can uh, enroll my children uh, and, and where I, you know, where I can drop them off to be homeschooled. And, uh, and I just posted and said, hey, you know, this is very different, a very different concept than when I was being home educated back when I was homeschooled, the idea was that parents would teach their own children. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised that in this, this Christian homeschool group, there were about 600 comments uh, in response to my post. And almost all of them were from very angry homeschoolers who were accusing me of being very judgmental. Oh, wow. Uh, and, say, and saying, like, who are you to define homeschooling? And who are you to say what homeschooling <laughs> is? And uh, I mean, one, one lady even went so far as to say, you know, if a, if a parent, if a, a family or uh, parents have their children in a public school, but they feel like they are homeschoolers, then they should be able to self-identify as homeschoolers. And who are you to judge? <laughs> oh, goodness. And, yeah. So it's it's really phenomenal um, how radically things have changed from, you know, when, when the homeschooling movement started. It was parents who really wanted a relationship with their children and they wanted to pass their faith and values onto their children, whether they were Christian or not, you know, right. was, uh, there, there was that common unity of, I want my children to learn from me the things that are important to me. And uh, I think that's been a major shift that we've seen really over the last, I don't know how long, but 15 years, I would say it's been right. shifting pretty radically yeah. uh, to, to a multiplicity of definitions of, of what it even means to be a homeschooler. Wow, it's, it's just crazy. And and yeah, who are you, Israel, to make any comments? You've only been in the world, you know, 40 <laughs> years in this homeschooling world. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, yeah, you know, and that's, that's why I wanted to coin a term life schooling, because I feel like we have to rebrand this thing. You know, it's interesting. I'm doing yeah, a, yeah. a talk on um, labels, the power of a label for the NCHE conference coming up in May. And so I just did my research this past weekend and, and got that all written. So hallelujah, it's off my back. <laughs> but it was very yeah. interesting to do some research and some of the articles I came across about just how powerful a label really is. And we seem to need them as human beings. We have to um, it's just a lot easier to have a label for something than to describe it in three sentences. But it's very powerful. And now when we say the term homeschooling, I think a lot of people picture co-ops and, you know, running their kids around and all of this stuff. And, and that stress, I feel like that stress is just so attached to the label now. And for me, just the term life schooling feels so much... Um, just of a gentler term and it to me it doesn't carry that weight and I'm sure someday if people start using that term it's going to eventually change and someone will come up with something else because <laughs> it seems like yeah. we we just always want to enslave ourselves to something it's just the human nature 
Yeah, at some point in the future, somebody will be saying, well, who are you, Daniil? Yeah. Tell us what life schooling is. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I coined the term, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, we're, we're, do, we're doing like all our academics online, and we call that life schooling, and who are you to judge? <laughs> oh, yes, it is a very, very interesting times that we live in in the homeschooling movement now, movement, but... Um, so there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good. I, I need there to tell is, you, there having is. grown up in the era where you know you didn't tell anybody you were homeschooled and you kept the windows right. closed and sh shades down during the day and you didn't go outside until after school hours and you know your neighbors would report you to child protective services. I mean, right. th those were not the good old days of homeschooling. I'm thankful for the great opportunities that we have now. There's so many resources. Mm -hmm. There's so much information. Um, we're living in the golden age of homeschooling right now. It's just that. You know, with everything, um, you know, as as it gets easier, people just take it for granted. Right. And, uh, it, you know, just like the founding of America, we had a lot of struggle and it wasn't really the golden era. Um, but now in this age of relative comfort and ease and affluence, we, we've lost so many of the principles. And, and I think that's um, one of the things I love about what you're doing is you're trying to bring back some core essential principles um, particularly that family needs to be cent center uh, and not the academics and relationships um, need to be a priority be mm -hmm. because really taking um, teaching the academics really only works when the, the relationships are intact and when I find people right. who get burned out in homeschooling and frustrated about homeschooling it's almost always because the relationships in the family aren't going well. Exactly. You know, yep. it's it's almost never. I mean, yeah. I mean, you sometimes have a curriculum that doesn't work or something, but the fact is, you can fix that. That's that's mm -hmm. a relatively small fix. But if you have, um, you know, a marriage that's not doing well, or students that don't respect their parents, or those kinds of issues, um, boy, that's just a, a lot bigger hurdle. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're so, so right about that. And it was really interesting. We had on our last podcast, um, her name's Trisha Soderstrom. She and I think all of her children had Lyme disease for about seven oh years. My. They were struggling wow. with this and they homeschooled right through that time. And she would be so distraught some days and cry to her husband. I don't know what we've gotten done academically. He'd just say to her, listen, your children, what's the most important thing? Your children love the Lord. They're following him, so you are successful. <laughs> and, of course, you know, now she can look back on that time and her children have come out and, and they're successful and they're, um, you know, they're uh, in out in the world, the working world now. So it's just, we it, it comes back to trust and to faith again, and we just really have to trust the process that... God brings us through. And I wanted to mention too, I think you make a really good point about it is so easy for us sometimes to look back on the past with kind of these rose colored glasses, but it's true. Every time has its pros and cons and there's always going to be struggles through through every era of, of, um, of things. So I think it is important that we don't always focus on what's wrong, but um, there is a lot of good today and we're definitely definitely have a lot more freedom with homeschooling than ever and a lot more opportunities as you mentioned yes yeah we've just got to keep the main things the main things right right exactly and it's important to be aware of these issues um, of course you know so we can work on them and help others through them but I think that's a good point I can tend to be 
sort of focused on what's wrong and <laughs> there's so much that's good in homeschooling today so many positives so that's definitely an important point so I want to just remind our listeners quickly of the definition of life schooling which we like to do on most of our shows but life schooling is the individualized process of discovering your child's God-given gifts and talents through real-life experiences that happen within the context of your family's unique situations and missions. Is there any part of that definition that particularly speaks to you? And just share with us a little bit more of kind of the the nitty-gritty of how your family does life schooling. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think what kind of resonates with me initially is just going back to my own homeschooling experience um, I was a dyslexic ADHD kid who didn't fit into a typical institutional school model um, and, and I think there are a lot of boys that are like that some girls mm-hmm. too and so me <laughs> I, you know, yeah right so so my mom was very wise I think in recognizing um, the benefit of being able to tailor and customize a learning approach around me and my unique gifts and and challenges Mm -hmm. as opposed to force fitting me to a standardized curriculum and so forth. I remember when I was about nine years old, I had no interests at all. Mm. And uh, that was frustrating for my mother because I, I didn't, I didn't really know how to read. I didn't know how to study. I didn't really have, uh, the ability to do school in any, you know, formal way. And, um, and so, you know, my mother had to come up with a different approach. And so she thought about what are my interests, my unique interests. And at that time, I only had one, which that makes it difficult as a parent, you know, when your child lacks interest. Um, but I, my one interest was baseball. And so she created kind of an entire, today we would call it unit study, for a whole year around baseball. And everything that I studied, everything I learned, um, that incorporated the, the main core subjects of science and language arts and writing and uh, history and all of that was all about baseball. Hmm. Um, we studied the physics of what it takes to throw a curveball, the history of baseball, and then how it fit in the timeline with what was going on in the rest of, of America. So we looked at hmm. like the, the Negro Leagues and integration and Jackie Robinson and, you know, and then what was going on in the rest of uh, the South, for example, and you know, then moving into the civil rights era and just a lot of just tying in a lot of things that were happening in history uh, with the history of baseball and um, the economics of baseball. I learned how to do um, fractions and division. Um, well, percentages, actually, more doing like batting averages, and ERAs, that kind of thing, uh, using baseball cards. And it was just really mm-hmm. a fascinating way to learn. And it sparked an interest in me. Uh, for learning that I didn't really have before that. And it was very wise on her part. Um, in our family, uh, th- okay, then in high school, though, um, my mom had four, she had five girls and one boy, um, which is, you know, why I've had so much therapy in my life, you know, being the only boy in a family <laughs> of five sisters. And, and, Woo! Uh, <laughs> can be that, crazy. At that time, at that time uh, my mom, when I was entering high school, she was a single parent. And so here she is with six children, um, and she's trying to put us through high school. And my mom dropped out of high school in ninth grade, so she didn't hmm. even go to high school. Wow. So the thought of how am I going to teach all these academic subjects was very intimidating to her. And so um, she got me a Becca video, and we did that through high school. 
and that's very highly structured and very formal right. and very academic and um, my wife, I think, used probably mostly Bob Jones. We we used everything that was out there. I mean, she used Saxon, and, and you uh -huh. know, we we used what was out at the time, all, all the big name stuff. Uh -huh. But I did um, video high school with Rebecca uh, through high school, and, and got a great academic education through that. I was really thankful and was able to study things that that my mom had never studied um, because I had the the tutorship of the the videos. But but Brooke and I both kind of came through that era in our high school years of, of very formal structured academics. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we started homeschooling our own children, we decided we were going to be more eclectic. So we're going to mix and match. We're going to just find books that we think um, are tailored to each individual child. A, a lot of real books, you know, mm -hmm. living history, that kind of thing. And so we had this sort of boy hodgepodge of a little bit of classical, a little bit of principal approach, some Charlotte Mason, you know, some unit study. <laughs> I mean, we, we're like doing this whole like radical, we make up our own thing yeah. <laughs> approach. And, and we did that for a while. And interestingly, now that we have nine children, our oldest is uh, going to be 18 in June and our youngest is two. Uh, now that we have nine children, we find ourselves going back towards a more structured academic approach, interestingly. Hmm. Um, we, we're currently using master books, and, and they have very uh, easy lesson plans, and some of their subjects are very easy to teach across multiple grades. So you can mm -hmm. teach three or four students the same material at the same time. That's We've great. just found with our busy schedule, it's been interesting to watch how we're sort of you know, in the ebb and flow of seasons of life, we're sort of needing more structure. Right. And, and part of that probably also ties into the fact that I travel a lot and speak at conferences and different events. And so when we're on the road, we have a harder time with the academics, mm -hmm. staying on task, if you will. And so we sort of um, learn by life uh, when mm -hmm. we're on the road more, more, we take some we do some academics on the road, but like for example, next week we're gonna, we're gonna when I get back from Salt Lake, we're gonna go to Massachusetts, and um, while I'm speaking at the homeschool conference, my wife is gonna take the children around to see Plymouth Rock, to mm. see our Plymouth Plantation. Um, I don't know what all they get a chance to see in Boston or, or wherever, but there's so much history there in New England. And um, so we've got a whole stack of books. I think she just got like 20 books from the library that she's going to have them cram and read before <laughs> they go. And then when we go, you know, actually see these things. And, and what it does is, you know, anytime you get to incorporate something like that, um, it makes those stories come alive when you read right. them later because you were there and you saw it. You remember what that scene was like and, mm -hmm. and, and you have a point of reference. So. So when we come back then and we hit the more formal um, textbook time when we're at home, um, it, it's interesting because they've got some some life application right. uh, and some, some real ex experience. So, so we, we kind of you know morphed and changed a little bit and probably will continue to do that mm -hmm. as long as we're homeschooling just based on season of life. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and that's okay. You know, we have to recognize we have the freedom to do that. That's what homeschooling is. It's it's doing school in the way that works for your children individually and for your family so I think it's yes, great yeah and I think you hit pretty yeah. much every part of that definition <laughs> one, one more thing let me just throw this uh -huh. out you know one, one more thing um, that we're 
learning because um, we're still in process. Uh-huh, right? like sure. were, my wife and I were both homeschooled. Her, her family started homeschooling in 1983. So in, in a lot of ways, homeschooling has been way, way easier for us than it probably is for most people mm-hmm. because we're not having to unlearn anything. Exactly. You know, right. Um, we, we, well, I mean, we may have to unlearn our own homeschooled approach, I suppose, but we're, <laughs> you know, neither, neither of us have ever gone to government schools. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just, we, we have a very different kind of paradigm or template. Um, but we're still trying to figure out the whole parenting thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, aren't we all? Everybody, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, everybody has to figure that out as they go. And so we're still working on that. But one of the things that's been a struggle for me as a dad is that we have nine children and almost none of them have initiative. I'm just being straight <laughs> up honest. I'm not trash talking my children. Okay, I love I love my children dearly. But this was something I never anticipated. Like I never saw this coming. That's funny. And and so you know when I was in high school, especially um, and especially after I would say after high school, uh, I graduated just before I turned 16 uh, from high school. Like I've always known what I wanted to do with my life, Mm -hmm. you know, after high school. And I've just been very focused and purposeful. And my children are not that way. Like they just don't have a lot of interests. They don't, they, they're not self-motivated. They're not self-driven. That's been a real struggle for me, particularly as a dad to be able to deal with. And my son is, is 18, going to be 18 in June, my oldest one, Ben, and he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. And he, he doesn't really have an inclination of what he wants to do with his life. And so this is our, our first, this is my oldest, my firstborn. And, you know, here I am saying to myself, I never saw this coming. Huh. I never thought that, that I'd, you know, land here. Uh, but, like, I have another uh, son who is my secondborn son, um, second oldest son, third, third oldest child, second son, uh-huh. who has a completely different personality than my oldest and he's very interested in things and, you know, wants to dig into everything and figure out how it works. And just yesterday he um, took the whole kitchen sink apart and replaced it because it <laughs> started started leaking or whatever. He'd never done it before. He just wow. got, on, That's he great. got on YouTube, got on YouTube, <laughs> figured it out. Um, a month ago he decided that he wanted to learn how to tap maple trees that we have on our property. So oh, wow. he started tapping maple syrup and uh, getting the sap and, and making maple syrup out of it. Had never done that before. Uh, started gardening last year. Taught himself how to fish. You know, I grew up without a dad, so, like, I don't know any life skills because <laughs> I didn't have a dad to teach me anything. So he taught himself how to fish. Um, he's learning all about horticulture. It's interesting how, you know, he's got this personality that wants to – study and learn these things and and what we do is we basically try to empower him mm-hmm. to do whatever it is that he has an interest in doing and learning um just this week he started um trying to learn to do video editing so we're like hey that's great and so now we're trying to equip him with that um uh, my daughter uh who's 16 she just um started making lip balm a year ago um, for the family, and she's actually gotten so good at it, she's selling them now and kind mm-hmm. of starting a little business. And and now she told me the other night she's wanting to get into some sort of um, uh, hand salve or some other mm-hmm. thing like that. And and so she's learning to make them all with natural ingredients. And so what we're doing is we're just like, yeah, we'll you know we'll throw any money behind that that we can. We'll get you started. Any any tools you need, means of production, you know, we will totally equip and, and help you for that. And so 
um, on on the level of on the life schooling level, whenever we recognize that our child has a, a bent or trajectory or an interest in a certain area, we want to empower them to explore that for as long as that lasts. Right. Not that it has right. to be a life a lifelong sentence. You know, like right. I developed an interest <laughs> in something, and so at forty five after maple trees because I did it once, you know. <laughs> uh, but but I think on the other hand, it's it's interesting that even as long as we've been in this homeschooling game and as long as we've been parenting and all that, um, there's still these big questions that we have probably like everybody does. Of, right. So, you know, what do we do when somebody turns 18 and they have no idea what they want to do with their life <laughs> and what's the next step? Um, we're still trying to figure all that out. So, well, I don't know if that comforts anybody, but that's... <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's probably going to be a huge comfort to people because if someone like you, who has been around this homeschooling thing for a very long time and says, hey, <laughs> you know, my oldest son still doesn't know what he wants to do. I think that's a comfort, really, because sometimes we can look at, at the those who are um, sort of the leaders in the this world and kind of think they've got it all together and everything's all figured out, but we're all just human. We're all just doing yeah. this thing together and we're still learning and, and still growing. And again, it's a faith walk and I'm sure that God has something for him. Again, it goes back yes. to that relationship thing. If he's right with the Lord and he loves the Lord, God's not going to hide his will from him and it's going to yeah. open up and become clear in his time. But that's not always our time as parents. And and this culture, you know, it's so ingrained into us to think that, okay, they're 18, they're out of the house, they're off to do what they are supposed to do with their life, and that's it. Job's yep. done. But um, things aren't so neat and orderly all the time like we would necessarily expect them to be. Yeah, I've had to learn how to let my son be himself mm -hmm. because he's not like me. Um, I'm like a flaming extrovert. <laughs> and he's an introvert. You know, I had to ask myself, how is that even genetically possible for my firstborn son to be an introvert? And then I remembered my wife. Right. So it's like, okay, well, yeah, she, she's an introvert, so I guess that makes sense. But it's it's just fascinating to me how, um, you know, my tendency would be I want to force fit him to fit my my personality type, right? To fit fit my goals, my desires, my expectations. And um, learning how to say not all of my children are going to be like me, mm -hmm. and that's okay, and I have to let them be them right. and, and learn how to help them be the best them that they can be, <laughs> um, yeah, that's a that's – a, I don't know. I didn't see that coming. Somehow yeah. I just thought all my children would grow up and be carbon copies of me. And, <laughs> you know, probably a little bit of narcissism there, I suppose. But I understand. Uh, but it's been a struggle. Yeah, I understand completely. It is tough as parents to just kind of let that go, and they are who they are. They're individuals. They don't have to be just like we want them to be or just like we are. Um, that can be that can be a struggle sometimes. I, I get that completely. Um, something else that you were talking about with just letting your kids explore all these different interests, you know, that can be very... Uh, stressful and sometimes frustrating for a parent too. So I love that you're allowing them to do that because when in life are we going to have that opportunity as we get older and we're trying to support a family or take care of a family, we don't have the opportunity to kind of figure out who we are, what we want to do. 
um, where our interests lie. So I just think that that's a wonderful thing for you to be able to do that for your children. And that's, that's a big part of this life schooling process and being okay with, you know, putting out $100, $200 for something that maybe they only have an interest in for a couple months and then they're on to something else. Yes. Um, that can be kind of a difficult thing for us as parents. You know, we tried really hard to teach our children that we want them to become producers and not consumers. Mm -hmm. And so anytime we see initiative on their part where they're showing a desire to create or to produce in some way, um, we want to enable them and empower them. Uh, because even just that the process of learning how to create and produce, those are skills that they'll transfer to other applications. So when they've learned how to make something or create something or, or sell something, um, th those skills, they can transfer to anything. So even if it right. becomes a different interest later, they still have the skill set that will help them to be successful in that. Um, the, the consumer mentality that we have uh, and the entitlement mentality that we have among the youth within our country right now is, is so disappointing. It's so mm -hmm. discouraging. It's so against everything that our our forefathers in our country believed in and tried mm -hmm. to give us the ability to do so. Um, so yeah, that's a, a big part of what we we're hoping to instill in them is, you know, you need to, to find ways to give and to contribute and not just to be takers. Exactly. Yeah. So important for sure. So I sometimes ask my guests if they've ever been tempted to quit homeschooling, but being in the homeschooling movement for 40 years and authoring so many books, I think you probably have not. <laughs> seems like you're fairly committed to homeschooling. But, we are, um, yeah. Yeah. Tell us what has been, and we've kind of talked about some of your struggles, but what would you say has been really your biggest struggle or your wife's biggest struggle in homeschooling? I think, I think the biggest struggle that we have in our family is probably me, to be honest, <laughs> um, because I, I'm a very selfish person. And so I, I, think I am it, too. You know, it just it makes it super hard, you know, for for my wife because, you know, she's she's trying to, um, you know, balance so many things, and and sometimes I'm just very me focused and self centered, and and I think that um, the the biggest struggle that I have in relating to my children is just getting over myself and and my busyness and my agendas and. Uh, and just, you know, being willing to just be there and be in the moment. You know, I, I was talking to my, my 14-year-old son. We were driving to uh, a conference down in somewhere down south a couple of weeks ago. And I just asked him, you know, what do you think the, the biggest um, the biggest uh, flaws, I guess, would be mm -hmm. uh, of us as parents, uh, of your mom and I? And he didn't even have to think about it, you know. <laughs> that always makes it work. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he that always said, feels great. Just, yeah, he just said, I, I think I think mama worries too much, and you could stand to listen a lot better. <laughs> and uh, and so I think for us, it's it's really just, you know, it's really just sin, right? I yeah. mean, it's just yeah. our own selfishness and our own um, carnality that we want to be the center of our, our own little universes. Mm -hmm. And and so when when my flesh clashes with my kids' flesh, you know, and just what we what we want, what we our desires, you know, that's what James says produces conflict. Where does conflict right. come from? It comes from within you. You want something, you desire something, you don't get your way and, and you behave badly. Mm -hmm. So, so simple. I, I think that <laughs> I think that for us it's really not, you know, it's not academics, it's not 
and have, you know, do we ever think about not homeschooling? Well, never. I mean, we're totally committed to this process of relationship. Mm-hmm. But but our thing is that you know God's given us this context of being together as a family, as a, kind of like a pressure cooker to help sanctify us and help us become more Christ-like and to learn how to repent to each other and mm-hmm. to learn how to forgive each other and to be merciful to each other. And so those are the things that I, I think when, when things are difficult for us, it's just, you know, it's us all trying to come out of ourselves and learn mm-hmm. how to think about others more highly than ourselves and, and to serve one another. And um, it, it's really those kinds of struggles. I, I talked to a mom recently who just said, my, my child and I are not getting along. I think maybe the best thing for me to do is put my child in public school. Hmm. And, and I said, well, what I would recommend is, is if you do that, I would recommend you, you also separate from your husband and you go live in two separate homes <laughs> uh, because, because that will also reduce conflict. Right. And, uh, and she kind of looked at me like, are you crazy? And I, and I said, the thing is, you know, separation uh, does reduce conflict. Mm-hmm. It does. But at the same time, it also almost completely removes the possibility for relationship. Right. So you have to ask yourself, what's the main goal here? Is the main goal to simply remove conflict or is the goal that we want to learn how to love each other? Right. Exactly. And so, you know, for us, I think that's the, the thing that we, um, struggle with the most is, um, okay. There's one other thing. I'll add that too. Um, (laughs) it's just, just learning how to not be selfish and how Mm -hmm. to, serve one another in love. I think that's probably our biggest challenge. The second one is uh, being able to keep our house organized when <laughs> um, we travel so much and just having, you know, um, 11 people living in a space that's it's adequate, but not overly adequate. Right. That has <laughs> to be a challenge. <laughs> too much, we have too much stuff for the space. And so I think that's a huge challenge to us. And and what, what I've done, you know, is, is basically said, um, I am more concerned about having children who know, love, and serve God and love and serve other people than I am about having a clean house. Right. And so if something's going to give, um, you know, we'll, we'll allow there to be some messy dishes uh, on the counter overnight rather than to allow, you know, relationships to suffer. Right. And so... Um, so I, I think for us, you know, that just more the struggle of, of uh, balancing, um, just balancing schedule and keep keeping housework. I, I think housework right now for us is probably the biggest challenge that we have mm-hmm. um, ab- above academics. It seems like we, we, if we do well with the academics, the house suffers. And if the house is up to par, <laughs> the academics are suffering. So yeah, you know, yeah. Pick, pick one, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I get gonna, that. Something's going to give. <laughs> totally get that as I sit here uh, doing this interview looking at dishes all over my counter by my sink <laughs> yeah I, I get that struggle we, we, just got our, we just got our kitchen sink back we, uh, <laughs> we, it was it was crazy we, we our sink went out and you never think about how central that is but oh, our dishwasher goodness. is hooked up to it so oh. when the sink went out we had no dishwasher and no kitchen sink and we ordered parts you know like they'll be here in two days from amazon kind of thing <laughs> so we ordered parts and isaac fixed it and then we realized that the problem was in the supply lines and i'm just going to put out a shout out if you ever buy kohler mm-hmm. you're familiar with that brand uh-huh, uh-huh. they have proprietary parts and oh, goodness. They, they discontinued the water supply line oh. they don't sell it anymore they don't make it they don't sell it you can't buy it so the 200 dollars you know sink that or, or uh, faucet that we had 
cannot be repaired. Uh, so after having bought all these parts and spending all these days, I think we've gone a total of like five days uh, without having a kitchen. And um, if you think about a family of nine, <laughs> that's just not pretty. It's not it's, it's not good at all. So no. thankfully we're past, past that and on the road to recovery. So thank oh, the Lord. Oh, goodness. And... Yeah, that, that's a bit of a nightmare for sure. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, just go buy, you know, a cheap $50 faucet. Make sure that it has the, you know, the $3 parts that you can right. use to fix it. So. <laughs> function or beauty? Well, I would yes. go for function, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, and, and, you know, I really relate to what you're saying just about selfishness and, and trying to do your thing. I think it's really hard, especially when you feel like God has called you to something. Um, I know I struggle with that with the life schooling conference and the things that I'm doing related to that. And our kids see that, you know, they see when we put our ministry and those things God's called us to above them. And it's such a tricky thing because on the one hand, you know, when God's called you to do something, but on the other hand, our children, our families have to be the priority. And it was really amazing at the beginning of this year. I just spent some time in, serious prayer and fasting over that with the Lord. And and actually, my time was intended to be about, you know, how do I make the conference work this year? How do I uh, keep on top of these business things I've got going on? And the Lord completely shifted my focus back to my family and said, I don't want you to do the conference this year. And I want you to focus on your family, your husband, your children. And it's been amazing because it's not that he has taken the ministry away. Um, he's just shifted my focus back. And, and so we're doing it every other year now. And it's such, okay. it just brings such, um, it's brought such peace to our home. And wow. the Lord has just done some amazing things in our family. But it's so wow. easy, like you said, when, when you're uh, called to this thing, it's so easy for that to take over. But it's something we always, no matter what we're called to in life, because each of us has something that we're called to do, we have to make sure it's not taking over the focus of our our main calling to our families. I just did a conference this last weekend in Chicago and was with a good friend of mine that I've known for 10 or 12 years. And I remember when I first met him, he had written a book on homeschooling, had a radio show, and was kind of a, you know, moving into... um, developing a platform mm-hmm. and he wanted so bad to kind of be out on the circuit and speak at conferences and kind of be, you know, a known go-to homeschool speaker. And he said at a certain point, it was like this still small voice just told him, why don't you just stay home and, and just instead of telling everybody else how to raise their kids, why don't you just raise your mm-hmm. own kids? Mm-hmm. And, and he, wow. and, and now, you know, he's got a daughter who's married. He just became a grandpa. He's got some, some uh, older teens and young adults and his family is a beautiful testimony. Hmm. And he said, you know, just taking 10 or 12 years and, and saying, okay, I'm, I'm not going to try to go out on the road and, and live on the road and tell everybody else how to do it. I'm just going to do it. Hmm. He said, I'm so thankful now because um, I don't think things would have worked out so well for us had we gone that route. Um, we just wouldn't have had the foundation that we needed. Things wouldn't have been as stable here. And so he said, now I'm at a place where I can actually go out and speak with some authority mm-hmm. because I've got the family to back it up. And yeah. Boy, wow. that, was power- that was powerful. It was really, really a great testimony. It is powerful. And you think how fast those 12 
you know, years go, it's yeah. gone in just a flash. So that's yeah, just, that's, that's such an encouragement. So, well, as we wrap things up here today, why don't you tell us a bit about your latest book and let our listeners know where they can find their own copy. Sure. Yeah, there's actually two books I'd like to mention. Okay. Uh, well, maybe maybe three. Why not? Sure. <laughs> Do it. My, my wife and I, Brooke, uh, Brooke and I wrote this book uh, two years ago, I think now, called uh, Pitching a Fit, uh-huh. uh, over, Overcoming Angry and Stressed Out Parenting. And that book has been really powerful. God's used it in a lot of families that deal with those issues of stress and anger. And uh, those are things that... Um, I was raised, I didn't mention this earlier, but I was raised most of my childhood by an abusive stepfather. And so, you know, being raised with that kind of an environment, um, learning how to overcome anger was really relevant for my life. And, and, and so what I said earlier about families who struggle with homeschooling, that being linked sometimes to family dynamics, um, I would encourage people to check out that book, Pitching a Fit. But the two education books that have come out recently, uh, one came out last year. It's called Education, Does God Have an Opinion? And I think it's the, probably the most comprehensive book on a biblical philosophy of education that's available on the market today. Hmm. Um, it is uh, very thorough. It's, it's pretty, uh, pretty meaty, pretty substantive. Um, I think people who have been homeschooling for even decades will read it and find a lot in it that – will challenge their thinking and, and help um, solidify their worldview. Uh, so that's called mm-hmm. Education, Does God Have an Opinion? And then the newest one that just came out maybe a month or two ago is called Answers for Homeschooling, the top 25 questions critics ask. And we wanted to basically create a tool that would help these families to have confidence in their decision, uh, whether they're new and looking into homeschooling, or even if they've been homeschooling for a while, you know, a lot of us have skeptics um, or critics in our life. Right. And so we address issues like, is homeschooling legal? Are you qualified to teach your child? How can you afford to homeschool? Uh, what about socialization? Um, what about sheltering children? Isn't that harmful to them? What about being salt and light in the public school? Um, you know, just mm-hmm. won't I be wasting my own education? Uh, we deal with the whole public school at home issue, how you teach multiple grades, special needs, high school, college, on and on. Hmm. So, I mean, literally the top 25 objections or questions that people have about homeschooling um, are very thoroughly addressed. And the idea is to help you to be able to have an ability to, to defend uh, your decision. So both of those are available at uh, familyrenewal.org. That's our website. If you go to forward slash store, you can go right to our um, shopping section and check those out. We've got a lot of uh, audio resources as well. We would love to have you um, be able to get copies of, of uh, these books for yourself, but also to give out the new Answers for Homeschooling book is one that I hope veteran homeschoolers will buy and loan out to friends Mm -hmm. who are new to homeschooling or looking into it. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome resource, and I definitely want to get that on my shelf along with a bunch of your other books that I have. (laughs) Um, That sounds like a great one. Great. Yeah, well, thank you, and and we're super thankful. Um, We would encourage people to sign up on our email list, too. If you go Mm -hmm. to familyrenewal.org forward slash subscribe, you can get on our email list, and then you'll know when we're going to be in your area because we are all over the United States all the time. And uh, literally in the next three weeks, I'm going to be in Salt Lake City, Boston, Massachusetts, Mobile, Alabama, 
and Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Wow, nothing like crisscrossing the country in a few weeks, huh? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then, and then I, I don't even remember everywhere. I'm going to England next month. Oh, cool. Uh, so lots of uh, places we're going to be. So if you sign up on our email list, we'll shoot you an email whenever we're in the area. And uh, We do free parenting seminars and speak at homeschool groups and churches and homeschool conferences. So, uh, awesome. And if you're interested also, if the listeners want to uh, have us come speak in their area, um, they can contact us at uh, familyrenewalevents at gmail.com familyrenewalevents at gmail.com my sister Sony will uh, be glad to talk with you about how we can bring one of our seminars or conferences to your area awesome well great Israel it's been so fun catching up with you today and I'm glad that you could come on the show and kind of share with our listeners all the wisdom that you've gained over these many years being in the homeschool world so thanks for coming Absolutely. Thank you for what you do. And uh, Lord willing, we'll be able to get back together at the conference at some point in yes. the future um, when uh, we may have to we have to schedule it multiple years out at this point. <laughs> it's sounding you're, like you're it. Doing, you're doing it every other year now. And uh, yes, and for us, we're um, you know, we're so busy, but uh, we would love to be able to to reconnect at some point and, and Lord willing, um, you know, and everybody pray for Chris Davis, too. Um, yes. Yes. He's struggling with cancer, and uh, we just w- want you to pray that the Lord will sustain him. Absolutely, um, he's such a he's such a gift to he the Christian is. homeschooling community, and he's he's helped so many people for so long. And we would love to have him uh, be able to continue in, in strong health and to be able to continue to serve. So. Lord willing, uh, he'll be able to to get in on one of those conferences at some point in the future. Yes. Oh, I pray so. And I'd love to go to Israel with him this fall. I think he's going to. I would love that, too. My goodness. We're close to our 20th wedding anniversary. Oh, we are, too. 20 years for us. So uh, we're we're trying to talk about, like, is there any way we can swing that? (laughs) That's one of my, that's on my bucket list. It's on my bucket list, too. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us on the call today. And that's Life as a Life Schooler. Hope you'll join us next time.